in the Fortune Kit War Room uh, with Noah Colwyn and Brendan James from Blowback Podcast. But first, Dan wanted to give us an update on his dog's diarrhea situation. Yeah, just a quick update on uh, Archie's diarrhea situation. It's um, it's really bad. It's still bad. And um, I thought at one point during the day that it it was going to subside because it, uh, when, when he first got the diarrhea, it was it seemed like there was more diarrhea than the metric volume of the dog mm. uh, himself. <laughs> and he hasn't eaten anything all day and is still producing just incredible amounts of liquid shit that is just spraying from his asshole like a fire hose. Dan, so, um, is this a possible dietary problem? Was this something that, that they ate or uh, what's the explanation? Uh, my partner and I are still trying to determine the cause of the diarrhea. We're not ruling out um, sabotage mm. or uh, uh, people working nefarious purposes. Mm. Um, possibly uh, CIA trying to interrupt this podcast mm -hmm. that we're about to do. Yeah, interesting timing, isn't it? That right before you talk yeah. to us, your dog gets massive uh, diarrhea. Interesting. Yeah. And it's very interesting that the diarrhea blew back in your face. That's <laughs> true. Wow. I do it's true. suspect... It's, all, it's almost as if they're sending a message. Yeah, I suspect the U.S. government, because this is a plot they used to try to get Fidel, give uh, Fidel's <laughs> dog diarrhea and have it explode on him. Oh, believe me. We'll, 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 season two, we're going to have the lowdown that's, on what happened to Fidel's dog's diarrhea. That's a they used to put I, diarrhea in his cigars. And he would yeah, just smoke them. He it. wouldn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They couldn't he get the poison. The Look, they, they were never really able to get the poison, but they could sprinkle some poop in his cigars. And like that was kind of the way they got him back. It's brown. You can get poop through it. customs. <laughs> you want poop? I, I get you poop by 1 p.m. Yeah. Perfectly legal. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for having us on. Yeah, for sure. Um you know, I was thinking before we started recording that on the very first episode of this show, I made an argument that in the early 2000s, when we had all these bands like Drowning Pool and Godsmack and all that shit, it was like we had this weapons grade music that just made people want to bust some heads. So we had to start a war to justify having all this angry music, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah. it, we're kind of coming full circle here now. Well, this is yeah. that's similar to um to I can't remember if which of my former colleagues it was Matt or Felix um was talking about like pissed music, you know, pissed core where yeah. guys would just, you know, they didn't really have a specific grievance uh that united all of their their music or the philosophy behind their music. Um you know, a lot of new metal falls into that category but also stained um s stuff like this that uh that the Iraq war kind of felt like at least partially a way to release and to like justify the, the pissed um, energies in the country that didn't really have a target un until that moment. Uh, I'm not saying that stained caused the Iraq war, but uh, well, we should find, I mean, it's an open question. This is what the kind of thing we can inves investigate here. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say they did cause the Iraq war. Yeah. <laughs> On record. That's what we conclude in our show. So I wonder if that was a random confluence because people discovered how to make music really fucked up in like 1996. Once Korn found out you could tune the bass way down and you could go like, oh, <laughs> instead yeah. of singing. 
that's when it like really went off the rails. And that coincided with the post-Cold War period where no one really knew who to get mad at or what the American yeah. national project was. I don't know yeah, if that had to happen, the, yeah. like they were feeding into each other, or if they just happened to take place at the same time. Yeah. Well, they definitely, think, yeah, they really let the freak off the leash there. Um, and, and I do <laughs> think that like, uh, <laughs> I, I think that like one thing that's sort of like interesting also about this is that like, there's a kind of like the, like, like the actual, like, you know, sort of like trend and like the enthusiastic embrace of that kind of music by like soldiers themselves, like, you know, like, like fucking like five finger death punch going on tours of Iraq. Yeah. Um, and like, the I think it's like kind of wild how it's there, and then like you literally have the Navy cutting ads with Godsmack, <laughs> and so it's like mm, actually yeah. like through official channels, it's like getting pushed out. Yeah, I always think of like uh, "Let the Bodies Hit the Floor" by Drowning Pool as like the essential song for an eighteen-year-old to listen to in a tank. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I I because because the original song was like about a mosh pit, of course, or something like that. That was what the bodies were, but I think pretty much everyone. Uh, the Iraq War transformed it. I think, at a glance, everyone sort of understands the bodies to mean dead bodies now. It just became well. Everyone except for the singer from that band, who oh well, yes, I just before we started this, I read a interview with him in Revolver where he was talking about touring and playing that song uh, in Iraq in combat zones. And just describing the audience reaction to, uh, you know, the, the song building in intensity and the entire point just flying over his head, you know, <laughs> his takeaway was that it was fucking awesome. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, like fun, that's, uh, it's one of those fun counting total. songs where it's just one, nothing wrong with me, two, nothing wrong. With me. It's like almost like a Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, kind of it's thing. like basically like jump on it. Like yeah. simple na, songs for simple na, men. Na, na, <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah, um, that's 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 the really main one. Because what that was in Fahrenheit 9/11, right? That um, yeah, that there's that interview and the guy says this is how we this is the one we listen to when we kill the enemy, and uh, just shows them getting getting really amped and uh, and that's true. I have a I'll cite it maybe occasionally or when it's appropriate here. But I I looked up a paper when I knew we were going to talk about this stuff, just interviewing soldiers uh, and analyzing how they used music not only to amp themselves up so that they could become capable of um, acts of violence uh, when they were really just, you know, some of them didn't need it, but some of them maybe needed that to, to, to get there, but also what they used to torture people and interrogate people because music became uh, yeah. very important. It always had been, we've used that strategy before, but in Iraq it was uh, an interesting mixture of two thousands music. Yeah. Uh, me and Alex just recorded a bonus episode yesterday where we reviewed um, Barney doing uh, singing the ABCs, and I know they used Barney in Guantanamo. They uh, they used um, "I Love You" uh, by Barney um, in interrogations. I believe not just in Guantanamo. I think I think they did this in Iraq as well, like heavy metal. Uh, Enter Sandman, I know they used, and, oh, and Barney's I Love You. Poor Barney, you well, know? Well, the babies probably loved it. 
Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> they're at least torturing well, babies. I mean, Guantanamo, Gu- Guantanamo is. I, I actually did some research on the skinny puppy stuff in Guantanamo because I thought that was super interesting. Um, it's pretty that, grim. It's, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's really horrifying. Like, so, like, I mean, I guess for listeners, because I had to look up skinny puppy, I just knew that they made loud music, but I didn't realize that it's like, it's like if you were like if if I were like Sidney Gottlieb and like in my MK Ultra laboratory trying to come up with like you know ways to sonically torture somebody, I think a Skinny Puppy song like would do the trick played like endlessly. It's just like it's like Nine Inch Nails without any inhibition in terms of like the like beats and and so on. Yeah, and they they uh, they're Canadian and they they predated Nine Inch. They they're basically the template for sort of the poppier uh, industrial stuff that came after. So they're kind of like maybe the cold chamber to uh, Nine Inch Nails' Linkin Park, mm-hmm. you know? Got it. I kind I, of... I don't um, know if that's a good analogy, but... Well, but well they, they did enough. do one... They also did a very cool thing, which was that they sent the Pentagon a bill, like an invoice for $666,000 nice. <laughs> for uh, the use of their sons and torturing. And like... The guy, so I read the testimony of the guy who like first like uh, like like talked about this in 2011, and he like like and and he talks about the guy who did this. He describes him as the ogre. Um, it's like the pseudonym he gives him, and he pointed out that he thought it was really ironic that they were using torrented skinny puppy music, or like, <laughs> like torrented music, to uh, like torture people. Maybe the low bit um, rate makes it even more annoying. <laughs> Because <laughs> all yeah. these all and these uh, people detained are audiophiles. Like, couldn't you get flack? It's quiet, <laughs> yeah. like one twenty eight kb per second. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to read more details because I thought that might that would, that would be a, a little excessive. But like, I did think that like that like the like that little bit and like the that uh, is both kind of funny and also um, it just kind of struck with struck me how like. Uh, the fact that like Skinny Puppy was like very furious about it and angry or whatever, and like the government just like didn't give a shit. I like, wonder if Barney the know, Dinosaur I, I mean, maybe spoke I feel out like against naive. using his song. <laughs> Barney, yeah, I mean, like well, I'm they, saying, like 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 that, like I, that did surprise me though. Like the government didn't seem to care. Like they just waved it away. Someone yeah. said, yeah, and just, no one no one cared here in Canada either. I mean, it was a big news story for about a week because uh, I think Al Jazeera published that piece originally by um, the guy who essentially you know, broke that story was a guard, right? So Yeah, it was a testimony uh, of like a former guard. So CBC interviewed uh, Skinny Puppy, and ironically, the singer from Skinny Puppy's stage name is Ogre. <laughs> so uh, Kevin Ogre. But uh, yeah, they had <laughs> always been like the most militantly political, like hard left band in Canada. They were, you know, uh, they had a whole album that was anti-vivisection, uh, they wrote songs about MK Ultra, so they were they were like enraged, mm-hmm. and the story just never went anywhere. I mean, it they they disappeared. They, they did that like, practice. I don't even think the government responded. That practice of using music that those guys aren't culturally accustomed to to torment them and instill fear is so weirdly pre-modern. Mm-hmm. Like it's something the ancient Greeks would have done. Like yeah. you come up to. Uh, the place you're conquering with a bunch of trumpets and sound the trumpets and they've never heard it before. It's like, how are we still doing that? Yeah. I mean, it's quite, it's quite uh, uh, sort of grim and, and really anger inducing actually to read the accounts of 
uh, we talk about in our show, for example, you know, the Americans are, we are the barbarians. You know, we're rolling into all these different places, you know, most of which have, um, even in American minds, quite an impressive civilizational history. I mean, Baghdad, cradle yeah. of civilization. And um, we inject not only a horrifying mix of violence and uh, humiliation, we also just fly over Vince McMahon to do a WWE like SmackDown from Baghdad um, like Coliseum, you know, talking about Greeks or Roman times, you know, it was like a, a gladiator match on our new conquered territory. We uh, uh, actually in Fallujah, while we were retaking this quote unquote, retaking Fallujah um, and, and destroying that city, the Marines called it Lala Fallujah. Um, oh man! And they uh, and they would yeah they would crank Welcome to the Jungle and ACDC uh, just just to you know do like as a psyop to freak the the quote unquote insurgents out. Um, it's just the most you know you look at this and then people you you wonder how people are surprised that Trump happened. You know we we were an empire not only that would conquer but would play fucking you know hell's bells when we went and blew up a place to the people yeah, we were the, blowing yeah. up dumbest I mean, and, empire yeah well and there's there's a part of this that like feels like really wild to me um about how also like if let's say you go on youtube which is like youtube is like the like unequivocally like the largest music discovery system in the world it's how like most people find music to listen to in the world and you type in like a rack war song or something and the most like the the things that proliferate and the biggest ones um, that sort of reflect obviously like the high placement of like actual like recorded songs. And so are like these Vivo videos of like country music songs about like the, the psychic torture that soldiers go through and the PSD that they mm -hmm. experience and their trauma. And I think that like a lot of like the way that like when we think of, okay, like music that comes out of the Iraq war, um, something that's felt really like that felt just like kind of, you know, preparing for this episode a little bit jarring to me is just like how culturally, how aggressively, and, you know, I guess this is, you know, like it shouldn't be such a surprise given that it was the case of Vietnam, but like the degree to which it's just so overtly and exclusively framed, even culturally through the lens of like, like how like shooting, you know, shooting and crying, like it's, it's very, it, it was, it was pretty, it was, well, it was pretty jarring. We talked about that in a, an episode, we did a bonus episode for our show about, uh, about movies in Iraq and how, um, Really, the only genre we got uh, out of uh, Hollywood during the Iraq War that were even vaguely critical were still used that um, structure of shoot and cry stories, meaning, um, as Noah said, you know, stories not of how the entire war was a crime or that, you know, as far as the Iraqis were concerned, you know, blowing up American soldiers was actually quite acceptable to most of the population to get us out of the country and why that might be, uh, things like this. The questions that were investigated were just the same old questions of, does a soldier feel bad after they shoot people? Answer, yes. And there would just be two hours of, um, you know, kind of, you know, saccharine, weepy stuff over and over and over again. There was no um, transgressive apocalypse now or um, the movies we tend to think of in the Vietnam era. Uh, and music, I think, was even less of a factor in people reckoning with the Iraq War. The moments that people tried to, like uh, the Chicks, formerly the Dixie Chicks, uh, you know, they were basically blackballed uh, from the industry. The upside to that, I think, is that Iraq War documentaries in the future 
or uh, movies won't have three songs as the soundtrack. Yeah. Like Vietnam. No, yeah, Purple Haze and uh, Fortunate Son. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and what is that Buffalo stunt song? Springfield. Fade to Black. Yeah. yeah. Paint it black. Yeah. One, yeah. One, one thing that uh, listening to uh, Blowback really unlocked in, in actually kind of an unpleasant way for me uh, was it kind of illuminated and made me remember and contextualize this total cognitive dissonance I felt during the years that the war was uh, at its peak mm-hmm. because I was experiencing America, like physically experiencing it for the first time in my entire life uh, being on tour. And I also was part of this sort of formless musical movement, you know, like indie rock. Mm-hmm. And the dissonance between the places I performed and the the people who were in bands that we would play festivals with, the dissonance between that, the style of music that I was hearing all the time, uh, and what I was reading every day was just so insane. Like this sort of retreat. Um, I think indie rock, especially at the beginning, had kind of a retreat into this uh, naivete of childhood mm-hmm. that I, I always really found really unpleasant and and felt wrong you know it felt somehow out of time Mm. with what was happening and that came back to me listening to blowback and also today uh reading through mcsweeney's comedy articles about (laughs) iraq like an article published in or like a just a joke piece published in 2008 that's like uh iraq i love you but i'm leaving you or something and it's like some guy writing to a rock as if it's his girlfriend mm. and you know, <laughs> yeah. to look and, the, and he has to leave. But of course, you know, they stay together. So yeah. They, oh that's, my God. That's the nice Googling thing. Googling Iraq war and McSweeney's is really bad. Uh, it's a fucking nightmare, dude. <laughs> like there's a lot of like, like very like brief short form poetry that is like, like, like I've like eyes bleeding bad. Wow. Yeah, Does Dan, that get you... funding from the state or? What's going on? Uh, it was fun enough that. that you think it would. But the it CIA. Yeah. It's the uh, anti-Bolshevik League of Nations, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Dan, you mentioned, uh, like, in that particular corner of music that there was a, a this feeling of mismatch or dissociation from, you know, what you think would be affecting a lot of culture. But as we discussed, really, in the Iraq War era, we had fully retreated into, I mean, Bush would say, keep shopping, you know, go, go live your lives. We'll handle the war. We'll handle the, the, um, ethnic cleansing o- o- over here. In fact, we're, we're, we're doing all of this so that you can continue shopping. Right. And, so and, and it was, it was, it was an invasion. It was the first war of the 21st century, but it was also starting to innovate a lot of the things that, for example, Barack Obama would really fine tune. Um, Donald Rumsfeld was a big fan of keeping the war out of sight, out of mind through things like drones, uh, through things like light footprint, um, you know, quick surgical executions. Um, yeah. and, and this was uh, born out of the Iraq war. Um, it's a contradiction, of course, because we did actually invade. But once we started to deal with the fact that it was going so horribly and exit strategies and long-term visions came, came together, there was a big vindication for, for Rumsfeld, actually, even though he was one of the first Bush guys to really get sacked. Obama, uh, in a lot of ways, carried on his vision that, of course, Trump has carried on every american president until we're all dead will carry on uh but anyway um the idea of music 
being untouched by this, if you scroll through, like, I just went through 2002, 2003, the really big hits, of course, on, like, Billboard or, you know, Usher, Nelly, uh, uh, you know, Lose Yourself by Eminem, it's completely untouched by this stuff, obviously. But um, even when you think of, like, uh, Green Day did the fake generational defining punk album yeah. with American Idiot. Yeah. Um, John Legend and John Mayer both represented this sort of happy Pollyanna, can't we all get along, like vague, very vague idea of like something's wrong in the world and I just want to hug everybody. And it, it, it was never, it what, didn't even Obama. talk about the war. Proto who? Proto Obama. Yeah. Um, they were looking to 2008. Yes, there was a yearning for a vague sense that things will go back to normal or get fixed without actually naming what was bad. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. that's Obama in a nutshell, obviously. Uh, it's a good point. But there was no real musical, uh, I mean, I, I'm exaggerating, but there was no truly popular musical um, yeah. movement that demonstrated anything against the war. I'm sure there were, you know, rock against whatever, but like that was a peripheral thing. I mean, well, I think that there's some interesting, like almost like audio cues though, like some, like something that I think about, maybe this is just like seared in my like single stupid brain, but like. I think that like Jesus walks, for example, because of that mm. fucking trailer for Jarhead has been like seared into the minds of people as somehow having some connection to it. Like, I think that there are a bunch of contemporaneous associations that people have, even if like, like, you know, it, it's like, it, it's almost like because the thing is so big, so vast, so evil, so dastardly, like a fucking like catastrophe that like the constant aversion like to to wrestling with it like as somebody you know as people who live through it when you look back like you just see that active avoidance like written all over it yeah oh yeah i feel i feel like um you know the lessons of the 70s or or, or 60s and 70s or maybe the inescapable um blueprint that the boomer generation gave us was just deployed in an accelerated Right. You know, like in the late 90s through the Iraq war, where essentially, you know, pro the the protest songs quickly just dissolved into navel gazing, sort of self-reflective stuff. So the stuff that was coming out in 2002, 2003, at least from the indie rock corner was was the equivalent of like a, a 1970s light rock album, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like they just they just took it and they squashed the timeline down. Yeah. They got past the protest point yeah. real fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the biggest protests, um, we should, you know, um, definitely go on record saying it was a huge, I think the biggest, um, like, um, amassing of, of people in the streets, um, for the past 50 years before it, maybe ever, um, in certain cities of the world. I mean, the Iraq war turned out millions upon millions of people. Um, but the anti-war movement, especially in America, it did die pretty quickly because, um, well, there were a lot of reasons, but, um, one very salient one was that, um, the Democrats diffused it themselves. Um, they, of course, most of them voted for the war, but then, uh, uh, in the 2006 midterms, when they took back Congress, uh, after campaigning with, you know, the families and mothers of dead soldiers and posing as this anti-war, um, really part of the anti-war movement that would sweep into power. Uh, Nancy Pelosi just got to work, uh, you know, signing off on all those budgets to continue to fund not only the Afghanistan war, the so-called good war, but the Iraq war and the entire, um, national security state budget. 
and uh, yeah. all those people were immediately shelved. And uh, that's why you don't hitch your wagon to the Democratic Party because the anti-war yeah. movement, they, they, they all, it basically fizzled out. Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. Man, that's a throwback. <laughs> Is she still alive? She can't uh, be, right? <laughs> Rahm Emanuel, no way. Yeah, God, we're really playing the hits. They were really. Well, I mean, this is. I mean, John fucking Kerry, man. He's like reporting for duty, duty, straight to the fucking NSC. Like, Ron Klain. There's. Yeah. Nothing yeah. No. We are. Yeah. We are living through like quite explicitly. I mean, like I, I think that like. You know, like, I, I don't know, maybe that they're like, I hesitate to draw these like kind of connections culturally, but I will absolutely say that like politically we are like, you know, the Ancien regime is like doing as much as it fucking can to establish lines of continuity straight back to that era. And so like, I, yeah, like the, the sense of deja vu is very, very strong. Totally. It's actually ironic that maybe. like music has changed more than politics has. Yeah. Like there's, the there's not as much of like an aggressive kind of music i guess like i feel yeah. like popular music these days is all just like uh soundcloud rappers who are just like xanaxed out of their minds you know yeah nothing's too aggro i i just had a curse thought which is um okay it's uh it's january 2022 uh pitchfork's best new music is uh, a band that sounds exactly like corn we are sending <laughs> troops into iran and the same people are in charge. You're right. Yeah, we are due for the awesome. new metal revival. <laughs> yeah. We could have oh a whole God, new dude. wave of bands like that just in time. <laughs> but it's for like, a new but it's going to be, but it's like not going to be like, you know, like I could see, like, I, like when I saw like fucking Turnstile get a write up in the New York Times, I thought, like, okay, this is like, 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 is this about to happen? And like, it hasn't happened in that way yet. But I am like, like, is like they're going to be like some thrashy kind of like, yeah, I've, I've been on the lookout for that kind of thing. What I if, would be so curious. What if uh, all those new metal bands actually did arrange like one of those, um, uh, you know, We Are the World concerts, <laughs> like Live Aid, and they actually raised enough money and then somehow did solve everything? It, it took new metal <laughs> to actually do it. That's true. Like, don't enlist. The song yeah. could just, just be like, like please, it's not worth it. <laughs> just Limp Biscuit, like, presiding over like the, Dave, the. Like, Dave, it's like the end of Phantom Menace, Dave Navarro getting a medal. Yeah, <laughs> that's a it's a great thought experiment though, because honestly, that is the genre that would have the most impact on the kind of people who enlist. Anyway, P yes, it would be pissed aid. It would be the, yeah. the big <laughs> pissed aid concert, and then like I just picture you know yeah the guy from Corn or his the next generation on like Charlie Rose or whatever, and they're just like so what what motivated you to to get out there and finally address all the famine of the war. And the guy just can't come up with anything except I was just pissed. I'm just fucking pissed off. And he well, just, his girlfriend or whatever made him, made him want to do it. <laughs> uh, there was one video that I did bring that it's like only two minutes long that on the topic of like extreme pissed, I thought was wild, which is this band. Do you guys know five finger punch? Oh, five finger death punch. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've oh, talked yeah. about them before. Yeah, yeah. One of our favorites. Yeah. 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 Classic yeah, I mean, fave on the show. Okay, so I mean they're crazy, but so this is like a montage like recording of the performance um edited and put online by uh one of the troops who witnessed it. Uh and it's especially fucking psycho. <laughs> Title is Heavy Metal Band Performs for Task Force. <laughs> no 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 Task Force Marn service members <laughs> you spelled Marine. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure what that was supposed to be. <laughs> Yeah, this, this guy's Ivan psyching himself Moody up. Ivan Moody. We've made 
made a decision in our path that there's not enough people in yeah. that are exposed to what <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> not enough people are exposed to how hard the troops are working on our side. They're raising troop awareness. That's what the media wasn't covering in 2003, was how cool and hardworking the troops were. Yeah, this is exactly what uh, Vince McMahon said. Uh, we went on another show and they showed us something that I, I really wish that we had, we had seen before we um, posted uh, our final episode, which was the, the SmackDown event in Baghdad. It was like Christmas, right, Noah? And then Santa comes yeah, out. Yeah, it was Christmas. Yeah, there's actually another piece of Christmas uh, Iraq music that I do want to bring up later. But yes, that was that was a it, Christmas. It thing. It was a Christmas thing, and then it's it, McMahon is telling Santa a bunch of stuff about Iraq, and then and then like Santa's actually Steve Austin, and then he done, he beats up Vince McMahon, and everyone goes nuts. <laughs> um, but the the McMahon before he uh, before he gets into that fight with Santa, he he tells people like. At home, there's a lot of naysayers, and we're here to show them that you're, the troops are doing it, you know, all, all kinds of good stuff. And it was all just this um, assumed premise that people hadn't heard enough good things about the U.S. Army and about, uh, of course, the need for war in Iraq, and that um, whether it was the heavy metal band uh, or the, the uh, wrestling federation, they had to go over there and just really hit home the point that all this stuff's quite good and uh, you should be supporting it. So um, not dissimilar to what people think of as that kind of um, the, the territory of like the one party state, just shooting every tentacle into culture uh, to create conformity and, um, you know, universal approval of the horrible thing we have to go and do. And, and it's also, um, you know, there, I do want to just point out quickly that, like, this is also very similar. It's like a preempting a lot of what is like the false memory of Vietnam, which is that, like, all these vets came back and were hated and disgusted and loathed. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And, like, there's this sort of, like, you know, like, you, you can almost sense, like, I mean, they don't, if they don't say it explicitly, you can definitely see it implicitly that when, like, these fucking meatheads go over there, like, that, like, they're doing this, like, where they're preempting it by saying, like, oh, yeah, well, we're gonna, we're gonna, like, we're gonna fuck these troops so hard. Right. And, like, like, that, like, nobody could ever think about possibly abandoning them. I think, but to uh, be fair, there was one artist who um, actively said that he hates the troops, which is Soldier Boy. Yeah, when he rapped, yes. I pulled up the lyrics just <laughs> yeah. now. He rapped, "Fuck the FBI and fuck all the army troops. Fighting for what? <laughs> Bitch, be your own man." <laughs> that Amen. was the Dude, that rocks. Go off. That Agreed. launched a thousand uh, YouTube's of Marines uh, clapping back at Soldier Boy in a rap. I sent Soldier Boy a raid on Twitch the other day, <laughs> and he didn't notice. He was just on his phone. He just How had, many like, viewers the menu get of a game going. He probably had, like, 1,100, and I sent, like, 700 over there. <laughs> he rocks. I love Soldier Boy. <laughs> That's hysterical. Did any of you guys um, ever see the... Just talking about the um, mobilizing of, uh, of pop culture to uh, perpetuate your horrible, evil um, crimes abroad. Uh, did any of you ever see the, the video of the IDF recording a tick, uh, the, uh, Kesha's TikTok like dancing to it. Yes. Yeah. There's a, uh. for the, for those who don't know, they, it's a video that's pretty, you know, lo-fi looking and it looks like it's just kind of raw. I don't know, like a security cam video almost of, um, of these IDF guys patrolling Hebron, I believe. So, you know, the occupied territories, the, Oh most, yeah. The, the deepest, um, you know, level 
and zone of Israeli aggression and um, uh, oppression of the of these people, and then all of a sudden they break this serious uh, atmosphere and Kesha starts playing and they're like looking around like where is it coming from and then they just immediately go into a choreographed dance and of course it goes viral and people think it's epic and um, yeah. they're the the Israelis are pretty good as as we know at that kind of propaganda and I think that um you know it's that kind of stuff that is setting the setting the bar high because that's just doing a dance while you're like putting people uh in a uh in a black hood and driving them off to be tortured like that's really quite ballsy and they're just they're they're setting the the standard can we cancel the idf for supporting dr luke <laughs> <laughs> oh man Maybe i mean we the, can wrangle the, that the the thing also about like the the Hebron thing that feels like especially like to, it's it's like cuz i've been there like i've been in the exact place where they shot that fucking video and like like Palestinians, like there are people who are literally not allowed to leave their home and have yeah. not been for decades because Hebron is like a city divided in such a way so as to accommodate like like huge swaths of land are for Jew Jewish settlers only and Palestinian and Arabs aren't aren't allowed within. And so the only Arabs remaining are the people who didn't leave their homes. And yeah. like they literally have to hide in cages from people who throw rocks. And then, you know, there's just like fucking like the IDF, like doing basically a TikTok this, dance. This is this is really grim. I don't know if you saw this when you were there, Noah, but when I went there, uh, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, uh, the shops, the Palestinian shops get closed. You know, their main street is shut down because it's like, sorry, this this isn't your territory anymore. Um, and in the, a horrifying reversal, like historical irony, the uh, settlers, the Israeli settlers, would spray paint Jewish stars on the Palestinian shops to be like, this is ours now. Yeah, that's so, insane. So you're oh, getting yeah. no, it's you're getting the Jewish stars being spray painted on the businesses, but for the opposite reason. Like how yeah, how does that not dawn on you as you do something like that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they care or well, because, even like, aware. I mean, well, they're they're aware, and it's because like we met with actually the settlers there. Um, they secretly recorded the group I was with and then posted it to YouTube as an expose, uh, which was kind of funny. But like, and we were there with like fucking J Street. So it was like, you know, like a liberal, it wasn't exactly like fucking radicals, but yeah. like the, the Jewish settlers, like they have like their, like they, like the, the thing that they'll just refer to is like a massacre of like some Jews, Jewish settlers there in the thirties. That is the justification for literally everything that they get to do now. Sure. And so like they like, yeah, I mean like not to get too far field, but it was like wild to encounter and like see like, yes, they have like a strong system of belief that they're able to do in order to prevent them from thinking that like yeah, the foundational event of their life, the Holocaust has nothing to do with what they're doing now. I for an eye kind of, cognitive dissonance there but i guess to bring it a little bit back more on topic i guess i'm, I'm thinking <laughs> about uh what you were saying about like the kesha video and how it recalls the wwe stuff earlier that like we just live in the stupidest shithole which is yep. something that like like it, maybe it's something so obvious that we've all just kind of like accepted it 20 years ago but it mm -hmm. is uh it's worth like i don't know like making that I don't know, subjecting yourself to that idea again, even though you just take it for granted that this is the stupidest possible world we live in and well, all the same old oppressions that have been happening forever are still happening, but we just do it in the dumbest way. Well, the most the, embarrassing yeah. way. There's that. There's it's like watching our, uh, uh, during the Armenia-Azerbaijan uh, War, I was 
I'm subscribed to this like Russian Telegram feed that the or I was that that was just uh, raw video and posts from that war and so many Azerbaijani TikTok parodies, you know, while mm -hmm. they're clearing villages or reclaiming territory, and it was so bizarre to flip from that to Twitter and right just yeah, like you said, Charles, like just the stupidest possible application of this. Uh, well, this sort of thread that's well, going through history. I think that that's a really that's a really salient point that you bring up, actually, because I think that it is like, you know, as like media consumption has gone from like, you know, organized industries in the 20th century, like record labels, movie studios, et cetera, to like, you know, disaggregated social media. And I'm not saying that like they are looking you know, at one to one substitutes, but in terms of just where people like, you know, are like, you know, like, like spend their time and are influenced like yeah. it, it, like that is now like part of it. So I guess like, you know, the Iraq war in, in some sense was maybe the last like big war before that thing really changed. Yeah, like, that's, that's true. It's the that's Nirvana of wars. The last big <laughs> Well, the, there, there's that, there's a very, uh, there's a very, you know, common and, you know, pretty correct, uh, idea that the violence exported by an empire always comes back to, uh, infect the empire itself and it, it treats its citizens eventually or, or at the same time, the same way it tweets, it treats the people it, it conquers yeah, and you 100%. could just make the same argument for our tackiness you know, the uh, sending Vince McMahon and uh, five death finger, whatever, uh, the, these these horrible bands abroad and blasting um, blasting Britney Spears in the uh, in the rubble of Fallujah. It, it boomerangs back and you get Donald Trump as president. You know, you get a game show host, Big Mac eating, um, you know, fat, disgusting, catty um Graydon Carter hating president because there's something to that stuff you were pumping out that eventually floats back into your own uh politics at home. Yeah. And, I'm uh, feeling yeah, you, you get the piano guys playing Trump's inauguration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When was it that American soft power projection became so tacky? Was it like after 9/11? I feel no. like at follow, some point follow, it was follow, like follow the Soviet Union. Richard follow Nixon playing Union. piano. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that Alex is right. I mean, the the Nixon Nixon is weirdly, I think, a turning point. I mean, I'm sure there was always a level of tackiness. We're America. It's not like we were ever, uh, you know, we always had that that uh, deep insecurity um, underneath the the, the grandiose um, pro proclamations of liberty and land of the free and all that. But uh, but Nixon, yeah, he was desperate to kind of appear uh, not so square. And so he, what Merle Haggard played there, right? And uh, a lot of a, a lot of artists played at the White House, and um, Nixon seemed kind of desperate for it. He also went to the Lincoln Memorial and like tried to rap with with teens, you know, uh, with with protesters about issues and prove that he was he was with it. So Nixon was a was was a pretty a pretty key moment, I think, All but. Right. I will I will amend my I amend my 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 statement. It's not that it's the end of the Cold War, but it's that like the the presence of the Soviet Union, like this anti-polar like force that like had to be combated on a cultural front, which is like, you know, like like and and it's like, you know, it's part of the like anti-communist religion that animates people right? like Richard Nixon. So I think that like the decline of like like that general period of decline that's initiated around then 
um, is sort of like, like where Brendan targets it. Like that's, I guess, like the kind of parallel that I would see there is that like, as we lose this like major, like, you know, like the, at least that we view as like relative competitor, like a lot of that goes away. And I mean, that goes away in like terms of state funding for fucking sure. Like we stop paying writers. The CIA doesn't fund liberal literary magazines anymore, as far as I know. Um, that's right. Yeah. They fund like, podcasts. You know, uh, conceptual or podcasts. artists. <laughs> or podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, or CIA, Stitcher Premium if, Podcast. If you're listening, CIA, we'll be gladly, uh, we'll take the call. But the, I actually think also that, uh, Noah, what you originally said, that the, um, the, the collapse of the Soviet bloc and America's uh, supremacy, like full global supremacy after that, um, we, we lost all sense of proportion or, you know, um, it became very shameless. Like that's when you yeah. get, that's when you get the real gaudy and, um, smug, um, yeah. of course, political, uh, and part of victory, it is also because like America is so racist and like, just does not view China as like an equal, like you saw that Marsha Blackburn, like, like that's like the, like, there is just like a pulsating racism, like with so many of those people that like also is like part of what animates that like thing is that like they think they give themselves permission to be tacky, like not consciously, but like that's what they do because like, they're like, Oh, that guy's like, like they're like, they're a yellow person. They're a black person. Like they can't like, like they're by def they're definitionally tackier than I am, which well, is yeah. like we we yeah. haven't talked about it yet. Uh, but one of the obvious genres that surges in relevance, or or at least among its its listeners during these times, is country music. And um, yeah, the Iraq War was what was that guy Daryl Horley or whatever? Um, he did uh, Warley, a Warley Warley W O R R L E Y. Right. What and, did he do? Uh, we we An played it. Song. We played it on the show. It's called "Have You Forgotten," and the reason <laughs> it's called "Have You Forgotten," you know, he he he, the chorus. It's pretty simple. It, it works as a little phrase trying to remember nine eleven, um, and how Iraq is obviously the next step in avenging nine eleven. But the real reason it's called "Have You Forgotten" is because it was the closest thing he could rhyme with Bin Laden. Because there's a lyric <laughs> in in the thing where he goes, uh, and you said you wouldn't forget about Bin Laden. Have you forgotten? And, uh, and then it goes on. So he was, you know, it's tricky to rhyme with Bin Laden. So he that makes he, me think yeah. of this is kind of interesting. Like uh, there was this song by Alan Jackson that came out, I think, in between 9/11 and the start of the Iraq War. Mm -hmm. And I always where think about you? that. I can't remember. Well, where that? were you? It's where were you when the like like the nine eleven thing like like because South Park did that fucking parody of it, right? Maybe so. I can't remember. The only part I'm, I can remember right now is uh, it, it um, it's he's like uh, I don't know the difference between Iraq and Iran. And <laughs> yep. it, like, is that the same song? I don't know. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> it, uh, but it's really funny. I I think it's the same song. It's one of those things where you know just bat. It's like you're. It's almost trolling because it's like they're they're basking in their ignorance. You know, they they yeah. they're declaring yes, that yes, they yes. they don't know Sunni or Shiite, but they know it's time to fight or whatever. But what's you interesting know. is that yeah. like looking back at the cultural references in it, it's like almost alien today because he's like a conservative, you know, truck driving, God fearing guy, <laughs> and he's like, I watch CNN and that, and it's like today you would never hear a conservative make that song. Like the cultural touchstones have changed, but yeah. all the underlying like evil is still the same you know the, the funniest yeah. the funniest version of that for uh for me it's it's not a rock related but it's a it's a tidbit i love is that dinesh d'souza i'm sure we all know and love uh dinesh friend yeah. of the show 
Good, good. <laughs> Great guy. Um, he, you know, in 2016, he made a movie called Hillary's America. Uh, and of course, Donald Trump wins. But uh, he had been, you know, scaremongering about all the all, all the insidious things uh, that Hillary was connected to. Uh, fair enough, but he he gets the the details wrong. Obviously, um, one of the biggest villains in the movie is Russia, and then Trump wins. <laughs> all these all these MAGA guys are like, wait, wait, is it, Russia's bad? I, I don't I don't think so. I've heard. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's well, that that's reminds me of the uh, like. Remember Mitt Romney like uh, and like yeah. the 2012 debate when Obama like like Romney was right like. He like 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 saying that slack. like Russia is the big threat. I know, he, he yeah. Flagged, everybody yeah. made fun of him. Obama like was like, "Come on, man!" Like, and yep. everybody, <laughs> yeah. He uh, well, he said yeah. Russia is our biggest <laughs> geopolitical foe, and liberals were like, "Sir, the Cold War's been over for years." And then fucking. I'm sorry. Do we need to? Do I need more ships in the Navy? Yeah, yeah. I think liberal are we, do brain I need rot in this country is just one yeah. or two steps behind conservative brain rot. Yeah. Where, yep. like, in eight years from now, liberals, like, mainstream liberals are going to be as insane as conservatives are under Trump, probably. They're the... It's, I think they already are. I think, I, think, uh, I think Russiagate kind of proved that. Like, just the fact that, what, like, six, eight years after that speech, you've got, you know, just wine moms getting 20,000 followers because they posted in all caps, like, Putin's puppet, mm -hmm. you know? Or yeah. Released the P-tape. It's yeah. Yeah, the gap is leak. probably smaller than I think. <laughs> They're always one Pokemon evolution behind conservatives, you know, like they're yeah, they're on yeah. their way. They're going to get there, but they're just a little delayed um in most cases. But uh yeah, I mean talking about Iraq, um obviously yeah, you your country music and and that was the domain of conservatism and you had the the kind of weak, liberal, vague insinuation that the war might be bad in, in music and that we all need to come together. But um, as we've as we've referenced here, like the main genre that the troops would listen to and, you know, do their killing to and get hyped up to and torture to was uh, two, two genres, uh, rap and metal. Those were like that. that that's where you get the real. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's interesting that uh, both of those genres for some reason have different things to provide when you're, when you're over there. Um, not just metal, not just rap, but kind of both. Well, the country stuff is for when you're at home, yes. you yeah, know, contemplating when you're back, when you're back yeah. home and you're reflecting and, uh, and maybe you're going to cry a little bit. But that doesn't make it's, you want to tear a guy's guts out and, and, you know, eat his heart like on camera. It's, it's something yeah. I briefly touched on earlier though, that today's rap has changed dramatically where, pretty much zero mainstream rappers are the kind of things you would listen to like as a troop to get pumped up. Yes. It's all like mumbly, like in my feelings kind of yes. shit, you know? Yes. Well, that's what was so yep. funny about Obama being like today. It's all about the, um, the rap talks about bitches and hoes. Uh, <laughs> just like, Blink, not, not really. Well, it's that's also one of my like, bits right now. One of my bits is like, I miss when music was about going to the strip club and popping a band. <laughs> what happened yeah. to that? Like, you yeah. know, civilization has really gone down since the music video for Nelly's Tip Drill. Um, <laughs> I mean, one thing, though, that, like, is kind of interesting to me, though, I guess, is then it's like, all right, then, like, okay. So, like, if that's, like, where, like, the, the up-tempo killing music of the past, you know, like, or of the recent past was, then, like, what is it that people are now? And so I'm thinking to, like, movie scores and this kind of stuff that gets used there that isn't, like, you know, um, just, like, soundtrack stuff. 
uh, made for the film. And the stuff that occurs to me is that it's all just classic rock that like mm. we've actually like it's just like gone back in time. I mean, Marvel movies are obviously a bit more PG-13, but they're quite violent. And like it's just like fucking Fleetwood Mac. Like the, it's yeah. still yeah. stuff that's Guardians, like a tempo. It has a beat and everything. Guardians yeah, of yeah, the yeah. Galaxy is kind of what did that. I think that was the whole like it's the soundtrack looked like a mixtape and it was th- really really on the nose like saying we're and we're it was also diegetic like yeah. that they like like they literally yeah. made it part of the fucking story. Yeah, it was like which it was is a a classic rock station. It's just like the top yeah. most play uh, top twenty most played classic rock songs. Like yeah. if. Imagine being in Iraq, driving like an armored, armored personnel carrier or whatever, listening to Juice World. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably closer to the truth. I actually, here, I, I, I should have done this before the pod, but I do, I do have a friend who is a troop, uh, and he's like stationed now in like San Diego, but he's just been like in Afghanistan, and he's just like, uh, like is like a normal guy. But I like should ask him, and I'll report back on um, like what, like what do the people in his unit listen to these days? Well, I, I, that's a good uh, question. I, I'd be curious. I'm looking at how the guy, how the troops would um, like kit out their Humvees so that they could, because this was like the dawn of iPods as well. You know, like around 2003 yeah. and four. So they had iPods, they had MP3 players and stuff like that. So this guy, this is a sergeant, tactical intelligence sergeant, describing how he and his fellow soldiers, quote, created a surround sound system in their truck. We took those Lansing type of computer speakers, the big bassy ones. We took those, we mounted them up. We created this little webbing on the top of our truck. Uh, we tied up. In the webbing, these speakers, we did four of them, so kind of like a surround sound system in our truck. And then we had a laptop and a CD player with all my MP3 on it, and we just plugged the outlets into the laptop. And they didn't have much storage back then. Yeah. <laughs> you can only have one. It's Crawling in the so Dark that, by Hoobastank, and that kind of just repeats. Yeah. yeah. It's a very low bit rate. Yeah, and they, uh, they were... They were spending a lot of effort in in making sure that they had this uh, this soundtrack on the go, and uh, I'm sure you know guys also had their headphones in. But uh, it's very odd, and they do they even talk about how the Iraqi police they would like try to psych the Iraqi police up. You know, the Iraqi police would work with the Americans yeah, by yeah. playing them all yeah. this music. Like they'd play <laughs> "Go to Sleep" by DMX, <laughs> you know, and uh, or fucking. Um, Lil John's I Don't Give a Fuck was apparently really popular. Nice. They would listen to that. <laughs> Man, you know what's funny? Like, at the beginning of this episode, I was like thinking about it and I was like, you know, maybe it'd be a stretch to say this, but I, I kind of don't think it is. Um, which is just that, like, it's, you know, like if you're ISIS and like, or like you're, you're, or you're rather, you are a man in like Mosul and like ISIS comes to town and like, you know, all these stories about like, you know, like skinny puppy being played and like, like, you know, American culture being like you know utilized in this way or whatever and isis says like we literally are making the possibility of that illegal i could i could understand that position like i could i could i could see how somebody comes no to that uh, don't don't yeah. get us in an isis related controversy all. that's already happened we on disavow the isis yeah. here yeah <laughs> <laughs> none of us have ever been members Okay. On that note, we have we some new merch, merch we're rolling quick. Out. Yeah, that's that's that's. I, I don't want to be involved in an ISIS controversy. Oh, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. Didn't mean to get too edgy. <laughs> but no, I think you're right. Like, I don't think that's like a controversial take at all. That um, obviously our brand of right wing nationalism breeds a like inverse nationalism against it of like yeah fuck these people who are ruining my country you know i hate this shit like and they're tacky music (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, most I mean, most Iraqis did not join up with ISIS. They hated ISIS. Uh, of course. No, yeah. exactly. Right. Right. Correct. Yeah. They've been they've been uh, subjected to both that, like banning music, and then before that, uh, the worst possible version of music to be. I guess he wasn't trying to say that like everyone, um, like you know, goes down that path. But I think right. that there is just like this opposite reaction, even oh, if sure. it's just like a subset yeah, of people. Yeah. There's certainly some subset of people who are like magnetized against that stuff. Yeah, I found. And, and to be yeah. clear, I don't. I don't think that it's like you know, like that. That like obviously, like the stories of like you know, skinny puppy torturing people, uh, probably did not do a lot for skinny puppies' popularity in Iraq, but like or Guantanamo. Uh, but like, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to say that like suggest that it had like some like larger impact, but I think it is like a kind of like extreme crystallization of like a sort of like broader dynamic and sort of like how people and why people might be uh, like hesitant or like have a real frustration with American culture, um, given how it's yeah. like so you know in some instances extremely literally weaponized. Yeah. yeah. Was there an American-run radio station in occupied Iraq that yeah. would play? American music or and like broadcast American culture. I, I believe there was uh, there was also you know there was TV like that as well. I mean they tried to cater to Iraqis, but I believe we set up right. something like that. I mean anywhere we go or anywhere we occupy yeah. or anywhere at all, there's always. Um, you know, I mean, like in Central, the yeah. Voice of America type. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in Central America yeah. for decades, quite literally, like there were like, like I mean, every I would say probably every country had at least one or like multiple stations that were funded uh, by Americans, at least in part, if not operated directly by. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those uh, it's one of those just early early starter kits for for causing anything i mean it's actually quite a fascinating history of its own what's been achieved by cia backed radio stations um oh yeah oh yeah i mean there's, like there's yeah, voice voice of america radio free radio for europe, europe yeah i mean like david, david atlee phillips was a is an accomplished man <laughs> Ra- he, radio he did a, he, radio swan yeah radio swan for cuba but also uh Radio Free and, Europe, or sorry, Radio Free Asia right now is doing a lot of this stuff yeah. to, you know, uh, yeah. ferment any kind of, you know, war against China. Although it's really interesting. Oh, go on, please. Oh, I was just going to say, I remember reading, um, I was reading a little bit about uh, Radio Free Europe in the, I believe in the, like, right after the end of the Second World War, uh, these sort of stations, one major station they had set up in Berlin and they had a few booths and the CIA would recruit, obviously, usually eh, nationalist, pro-fascist dissidents from whatever countries they were trying to broadcast into that the Soviet Union was now uh, politically in control of. Mm-hmm. And one thing they didn't bank on was that a lot of these people were completely at odds with each other on a generational <laughs> level. Like, you know, so you have a Croatian fascist coming in to do an hour-long broadcast to Zagreb, yep. uh, like an ex-Ustache guy, bumping into a Chetnik yeah. in the hallway, you <laughs> yeah. know, and then yeah. having to sort of human resources deal with that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's tricky when, I mean, you run into this a lot in Cuba, for example. We shouldn't give away too much of season two, but it's fun to look at, like, you know, these exiles, anti-Castro guys, uh, much like Iraq, honestly, and the, and the uh, Iraqi National Congress, which 
if you listen to Blowback, is the exile group that that um, a bunch of fraudsters ran to try and get America to help them topple Saddam, quote unquote. Uh, whether it's Iraq or Cuba or whatever, the, these guys all hate each other because they have their own strains of, you know, f- um, fractional politics that, um, you know, have they, they, the only thing they have in common is that they're all reactionary, but that's pretty much where it, it, it stops. So that's, that's a great, uh, that's a great idea of the, uh, American propaganda factory having to, having to like, you know, tell, tell the, um, micromanage, yeah, micromanage the, the, the different virulent nationalisms that all hate communism. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that, um, they only played Barney the Dinosaurs, I Love You in Guantanamo. Because if they played it for all these other groups we're talking about, maybe they would learn to get over the differences in their virulent <laughs> strains of nationalism. One of you guys. The ultimate right wing <laughs> ideology that unites all of them. One of you guys said uh, that the babies pro- liked Barney uh, if, if they could hear if they could hear it, but uh, I, I think uh, one of the tapes they would play. Yeah, I got it here. One of the tapes they would play was not actually even music. They they would play the tapes of babies crying to uh, <laughs> prisoners and and uh, kind of wash them down with that. Like it was just uh, anything that I guess the human body probably naturally reacts to a baby crying like. Uh, you know, if you're listening to that for 36 hours, you'll probably go pretty, pretty nuts. So at a certain point, it crossed just out of music entirely, and they would just play things that were meant to disturb your your uh, your conscience or whatever. Grim stuff. Yeah, I'd rather hear Barney. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Barney had some <laughs> Barney had some good tracks. He had um, some bangers. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's like people pretend like they don't like Barney anymore. But if you look at the track list of his first album, I bet you know almost every one of those songs. <laughs> Itsy Bitsy Little Spider, B I N G O. Like, you know, you could sing every word. Don't I like pretend the, like you can't. I saw your face when Barney came on at the club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw your face when Barney came out at that USO tour. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing. That's the only thing they haven't done is basically send Barney over to our troops, which is they might <laughs> I eventually mean, get there. Which look, like given like the like, you know, no disrespect to our troops, but uh given who the composition of our troops are, uh like, you know You know, that uh, honestly though it might not happen because if Trump didn't <laughs> like, do it, it's hard to imagine someone else taking that lead. You know, Barney Barney that was the love, chance we missed ba- it. Barney, he's a friend of mine. I've known him I many years and well, well, he's he's a smart guy, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna send him over there. He's gonna he's gonna do a really good time for the. They're gonna have a tremendous time. Barney, a really, and- a really. <laughs> he loves them very. He loves you. He loves them. He loves me. He loves them all very much. Yes. Barney and Grimace, I think, would be his picks. But <laughs> he like, maybe he. Yeah, exactly. They're both big and per- he'd get pissed because like he, he thought we were talking Donald about Trump, Grimace. He'd, he'd pit them against each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Trump and yeah, Grimace like have intertwined Conan. business interests when they did that uh, Big Mac commercial together. Exactly. They have a exactly. rivalry. Yeah, Long they, time they rivalry. actually... Grimace is on the Epstein flight logs, if you look. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at yeah. all. He took up like four Barney, seats no, I don't think Barney's on there. I, I still believe in Barney. <laughs> I think he's just a decent guy. Yeah, I haven't heard from Barney in a while. Like, I think that... I assume that franchise is, is over. He got banned but... off Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're rebooting it. <laughs> 
Yeah, that sucks. Charles, didn't we didn't we find out that they're making a Barney movie? They are making a Barney reboot <laughs> movie. I thought they were up time. in the air whether it's gritty and dark or not. I'm really hoping it is. But. <laughs> Nolan Barney, the Christopher oh Nolan vision. Uh, <laughs> that's oh great. That's really like good. Christ, he like gets Christian Bale to play Barney. And he like goes method. <laughs> With the same Batman he voice. goes method. <laughs> he demands to be treated like it's Jurassic Park, like he's actually a dinosaur. Well, I'm I'm, I'm picturing uh, Christian uh, Bale with like motion capture things, and he's doing like roars and like claw. He's like clawing and roaring to himself in a room. <laughs> It'll oh, be fantastic. Oh my god! Yeah. But yeah. Um, very grim stuff. Uh, I, I got to be honest. This was a this was an interesting. I won't say totally. 100% fun because well, it's, it's evil, but we didn't look at music that much when we were well, doing so I blowback. Do, I, I do have, though, I think a happy note for us to go out on. I Actually, a good sure. song about the Iraq war in it from an unexpected place. Um, okay. So I'm going to put that Please tell here. me it's by Barney. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's not by Barney. Let's see. And then I'll oh, also God. post the lyrics. Let me post oh, the lyrics. <laughs> oh, boy. This blew out my eardrum. <laughs> Billy Joel never doesn't look sweaty. <laughs> Every single thumbnail, he's just sopping wet. I don't know why they can't put a fan up there. <laughs> he can afford um, some air conditioning in the venue. He's Billy Joel. Yeah. What song would you, if you could pick, you know, we didn't have a say, but if you could send... Uh, a musical artist over in Serenade, Baghdad, Troops, Iraqis, whatever. I mean, what would you want us to play as America that they didn't go with? Probably Frere Jaca. Okay, good. <laughs> um, that's uh, subversive, of course. Um, Hot Cross Buns. Yeah. <laughs> unrecorded. Yeah. Just I think one the problem guy playing is we're starting people on like industrial music. Classical you gotta, gas. You gotta, yeah, that's more like it. You gotta start them on hot cross buns <laughs> and work their way up. Show them the Velvet Underground yeah. and like. <laughs> it, it, you gotta. Television. Uh, condition them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It should be done in chronological, yeah, in chronological order. Dialectically is how it should be done, honestly. Yeah. It's going to be years before they get to Zen Arcade by Husker Du, you know? Exactly. Like. Um, or, uh, yeah, they go over and play uh, Three Minutes and 43 Seconds or whatever by John Cage, and it's just silence. The <laughs> yeah, there we go. They've that's been listening to that for a while. That's, that's the one. Yeah, exactly. See, that's going to be the resuscitation of American cultural imperialism, is that they're just going to start putting up, like, fucking... Uh, like Mark Rothko type, like minimalist art everywhere and stuff. Well, that's literally what the CIA did. They funded Rothko and yeah. other modern painters. Yeah. So we've and already Pollock. done it's that already. Back. Have we ever sent Gallagher on a USO tour? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a very American <laughs> thing. Like, no, he's dumb enough to do it. No, he I was would give, like, we he could was in give combat. Damien Hurst to ISIS. He was, he was on the front lines with have the him. hammer. <laughs> that's, he was They should send... Yeah. Yakov Smirnov to um, go <laughs> support support Azov Battalion in Thumbtents. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. I'm like about um, <laughs> King Robert in Game of Thrones swinging the hammer. Yeah, that's what I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning him. I'm envisioning Gallagher on the front lines. Like they get, they bring him over for music, but then he's got the hammer for comedy. But he's got the hammer, and he's like in 300 
with the giant orcs that are like swinging big hammers, and that's just Gallagher taking out all of our. Uh, but what if they end up fighting in like a watermelon patch somewhere? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> him completely it worthless. Like, this it's is like the, the, one bay of, thing. the bay of the bay of the bay of pigs was planned. It was going to go perfectly. They just did not count on the landing site being a watermelon patch. <laughs> this is the one yeah. thing we didn't want to happen. <laughs> I gotta uh, say, um, getting back to that Billy Joel song that you posted. And maybe kind of close us out on a few of these thoughts here. It's funny how close he was about Osama in the lyrics where he's like, oh, they say Osama's in the mountains deep in a cave near Pakistan. He was yeah. closer than well, near, the, he was closer the, I like there. the full stanza, but there's a sea of blood in Baghdad, a sea of oil in the sand. Yeah, that's actually really good. Like sure. basic, yeah, I, I basically think that like if Syriana was a Christmas song, this would be it. <laughs> it's nice. Um, wait, that's yeah. the Billy Joel song? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, not oh bad. Well. Uh, it's not good. The though. song's not good, but I lyrically, did, yeah, but that's not what are I you said. aware of his reaction to 9 11? <laughs> no. no. Was, was he drunk? Yes. He uh, slammed <laughs> his Ferrari into some woman's house when he was drunk. Yeah, me and, and Alex he, covered this on an old episode. <laughs> where oh, he's crashed he had, like five cars, right? Yeah. yeah he, he slammed into multiple houses. Yeah, he blamed them all on 9-11 because he was so he was driving down the street and he was so distressed about 9-11 that he just careened way off the, in the suburbs too. So this house was probably 20 feet back from the street. I love about, the idea. He was so sad. I love the idea of like Billy Joel having to like like you know, he, he like doesn't have to give a reason. Like he crashed his car. He like, oh I like, you know, lost sight of the road or whatever. But it was like, no, 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 no. It was because of nine fucking eleven. Well, most of most of the deaths that we think of as 9/11 were actually Billy Joel related immediately <laughs> in the in the aftermath of 9/11. It wasn't actually 9/11 itself. But yeah. that's that's Yeah, uh, they actually changed it to the they actually changed the name of that think tank from the Victims of Communism to the Victims of Communism and Billy Joel Foundation. And Billy Joel, yeah. <laughs> it's very moving. Season 3 loose change to uh Billy Joel. Yes. Billy Joel did 9/11. Yes. Yeah, I would yeah. love to link up with the loose change guys i wonder what they're up to uh hopefully they finally got enough change to play at the arcade yeah <laughs> well now that one. we've just given you guys some career advice right there uh i guess we should thank you for stopping by so no and Pleasure. brendan yeah it was fun god bless yeah this was so much yeah, fun thanks, thanks for having us i love chopping it up yeah check out blowback on stitcher premium podcast apparatus well, no, now it's available it anywhere. 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 Any podcast service that you use, you will be able to find blowback. Yeah, don't spend your money. Go listen to it for free. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>